Okay, take two. And it's take two because Nathan just learned how to push the record button. So thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our, our fourth episode of the Jet Blast podcast, where we're talking about what can happen um, or what we can expect to happen in this post-COVID world when we're talking about AOGs. So um, we've got our usual cast of characters with us, Lee and Andy. So Lee, what's up? Hey, everyone. Back again for another episode. Uh, excited to talk about this one. You know, got a great guest here with Paul. And, um, but also, you know, things have changed. I think people are aware of things that they weren't aware of before. Um, you know, people are, I think, in some of our prior discussions saying, is it something that you need because it's necessary or is it something that you, that makes you feel better? And I think there's a lot of that going on right now. And so what are those things and kind of balancing that as we go forth? You know, I think that's great. And so AOG is certainly, there is nothing standard about an AOG except the consternation and the anxiety and stuff that goes along with it. But you know, that's what it takes for planning. So really excited to talk a little bit about this topic. And of course, having Paul with us. And I think we have Andy, always have Andy with us. Hello. Yeah, I'm back again. Have not been fired yet from this podcast. Uh, <laughs> no such luck. <laughs> just want to uh, thank everybody, of course, that has tuned in so far. It's pretty cool to watch the, uh, the number keep rising that Nathan sends to us of people that have listened to it. So that's great. And uh, yeah, we're joined by Paul Witt, who uh, him and I have been in communication on a regular basis now, which is pretty cool. Um, I've learned a lot already uh, via text messages, really, from Paul. Uh, he heads up the Constant AOG Network, which is <clears throat> one of the biggest ones in the country. Uh, and then before that, uh, he did some other cool stuff that he can go into a little bit before I uh, screwed up. So without further ado, Paul Witt. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Andy. It's good to be here. Uh, appreciate you inviting me to this podcast and and given the opportunity to kind of talk about my world, which is uh, the mysterious AOG world, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're right, Andy, you and I have been talking back and forth for a little while now, getting to know each other. I really appreciate it. We've got some good insights. Um, as Andy said, I'm the uh, Vice President of AOG Operations for Constant Aviation. Um, we've built a really nice network across the country, um, second to none, if I say so myself, and we've got a lot of neat things happening even during this COVID time. Uh, prior to then, I, I had a stint with uh, Stevens Aviation before I was wooed away to Constant, and then prior to that, I spent about uh, 18 years with Cessna, where we, we built a nice little AOG business, actually quite a large AOG business, and I ran a service center for them as well. So. Um, that's kind of a brief history of me. Awesome. Cool. Well, Paul, you know, when we're, we've been talking about this and looking at where we're going and, you know, COVID has brought a lot of things to the forefront and, you know, kind of looking at different things that we have. Um, sanitation is at the top of everybody's mind. Um, you know, the extent of sanitation, sometimes it's a personal preference. You know, there are minimals, but, you know, from an AOG perspective, you know, there's, I think that part of this will be quote unquote, the new normal, which I know Nathan hates, but you know, that, mm. that term, but there are certain considerations that people are going to be taking. And so when you have an AOG, what are you, what do people need to think about right now? Cause it's thinking about 
your crew, your aircraft, the people who are coming on to, to service your aircraft, and then when the people give it back to you. you know, so what are some of those things that we need to think about in this new environment? Well, first, let me say every day right now is different than the day prior. <laughs> uh, we're all living in a really weird world, and, and I'm with you on the, the, you know, what's the new norm? Nobody knows, knows what that is, and it's, it's kind of becoming an overused pun, but uh, there's a lot of truth in it. What that, what's that going to be? So, mm. you know, if you look back, let's just say three months ago, um, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really take this whole thing seriously. You heard about it overseas, you, but you were going along with your day-to-day -day life and everybody was busy and strategizing. And it seemed like overnight, the lights got turned out for us. Yeah. Um, the world changed and like it or not, we're here and people have to think differently about the cleanliness of their airplane, right? Um, we have to think differently about what airplane we're going to work, where it's been, who's been on it. Are my people going to be safe? I think of my team as family. Are they going to be safe working on it? And are the people going to be safe when they come back to fly that airplane? So internally, we've come up with some pretty good processes to kind of vet that airplane, especially if it's coming from overseas, uh, been overseas in, in recent times, or been in a quote-unquote hot spot. Uh, that'll, that'll kind of give us an idea of what we need to do next. Do we need to disinfect that? Is it okay right now? Um, and that'll tell us, you know, what we need to do, right? Um, and, and that's a lot different. I mean, my guys are not used to that. My team's not used to that. But I think a lot of that is going to be expected going forward. Okay, there's a myriad of products out there. What's a good product? What's not a good product? Does it need to be applied by a professional? Can you do it yourself? Right. Um, there, there's a lot of different things happening there. So, well, I think you 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 know you brought up something like what's a good product and who does needs to apply it. But I think there, you know, and this has come up multiple times is what is what is needed and what is overkill and where's that fine line in between it i mean you know that's there there's a lot of talk on that i know nathan has mm -hmm. a couple of examples on some instances he's sure. had here lately but you know um constant's actually done a great job you know they've been kind of doing some of this before all this happened and then you know you know so you already had a lot of it in place but where is that fine line so we apply a product called MicroShield, and uh, we've been doing pretty good at that. Uh, we teamed up with that company. We're actually the sole provider for anything in the aviation field for that product. Um, and and I'll be honest, prior to this whole COVID thing, I, I was thinking, who, who's going <laughs> to pay for that, right? <laughs> so, but in, in any kind of, I don't want to say catastrophe, but any kind of event like what we're in, whether it be this pandemic or, or hurricane or anything like that, it breeds people that are going to take advantage of you. Oh, it, sure. I mean, absolutely breeds that. So how do you know that that guy that you hired to come on your airplane to disinfect your airplane, is he just spraying water? Sure. And exactly. Take how do you know, right? How do you know? So I think exactly. you've got to look for a, a reputable company and really uh, do a deep dive in what they're going to be doing on your airplane.
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I say all the time, I know Lee and Andy are tired of hearing me say it, but never let a good crisis go to waste, right? We have so many con men and con women right now in this business, spraying and praying, God only knows what. And and I think to your to your least question, I, I would say you have to know what it is that you're trying to achieve. And we'll get back on AOG, but that's true in AOG too, right? So in this disinfection world, do you need to disinfect? And let's talk about why you feel like you need to. And and you you may need to. It, there may be a very valid meritorious reason for it. But if the airplane's been sitting in the back corner of an airport for two months and nobody's been in it, um, there's nothing bad living in it. There's nothing living in it, right? So none of this biological material can survive um, without a host, right? And so, you know, it, it, that's the types of conversations I think folks should be having. Um, but, you know, as the MRO, like many surprises, you can't really know, Paul, when your folks show up to that airplane, has it really been sitting there too much? You really have no way to know, and you got to protect your people, right? And so I think, you know, generally, one of the things that, you know, I think about are just how is it going to be different, right? And, and it being AOG for you guys um, in, in whatever, you know, this this um, next chapter for our industry is. I mean, I, I aside from disinfecting, I know you guys probably have been talking about some some plans, like what to look for, you know, or their technician gaps or anything, um, or, you know, the risk of finding um, what they would call in the tech world Easter eggs, right? Little hidden gems that you might not know about. Yeah, I worry about, uh, I, you know, everybody uses that, what keeps you up at night, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, other than the, the state of the business right now, right? Because sure. it's tough for everybody, but what yeah. keeps me up at night is that that owner operator that um, just parked his airplane, mm -hmm. went back home, um, has been sitting there for two months uh, with his family or maybe very little travel, but he just left his airplane. He's the owner operator. He parked it in his hangar and went home. And he, and unless he stayed uh, educated, okay, he may very well go back to his airplane and find that things don't operate the way they did when he left it there because we all know planes don't like to sit, right? Right. On top of that, he may find himself in a pickle because technically maybe those engines needed to be operated every month and they haven't been. And now maybe he's on a, an engine plan and they want to, they, they ask him, well, have you kept up with, uh, you know, running the engines and operating everything? Yeah. He may yeah. find himself in a really bad situation. So that, that worries me. Yeah, I think that's, that's interesting. You know, you talk about being on a plan. One of the things that has occurred to me in the last few days um, that I haven't really shared, I don't think with anybody yet, maybe I've told y'all, maybe I haven't, but so Paul, keeping that theme in mind, I, I think about the plans um, that have minimum flight hour requirements on them, right? And so I started thinking the other day about engine service plans that you know, start at a minimum of 400 hours. And some of these operators struggle to make that in a full year of, of whatever normal looks like, right? And so now we're these same owners, operators are finding themselves two and a half, maybe three months short on flight hours, right? Out of a full year, that's a lot. And, 
you know, at the end of the day, those service plan companies do not care. <laughs> 400 hours is the minimum. And if you didn't report 400 by the end of the year, you get a catch up invoice. So, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's more than just, um, there's so many facets to this whole thing. Like you mentioned that the, the, the requirements of the aircraft being down, whether it's driven by chapter 10 of the maintenance manual or, or, you know, some service plan, I think there's going to be some things that people didn't expect, right? They look at it in one lens of, Hey, my costs are down because I'm not operating it. Mm -hmm. But, but I would suggest that several pieces of that cost are going to show up later. We're just pushing the toothpaste to the other end of the tube. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. I, I also think about the, the, uh, maybe the smaller charter operators that were operating on a, a much smaller budget. Mm -hmm. um, and now you haven't really had any charter revenue over the last two, maybe three months. Yeah. Um, and the books are tight and they still got to make money and you still have these regs that you have to follow and right. God hope you don't cut corners to make that happen. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, in my, um, in my life as, as a consultant, and I know Andy probably sees this in his world and Lee and in, in, in her day job world too. Um, we're starting to get called in on airplanes that may be transacting or that somebody wants uh, just a quick look, see at the records to kind of get a sense of where they're at or whatever the maintenance programs. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm starting to see airplanes with a lot of overdue items uh -huh. and um, <clears throat> some operators are not necessarily um, doing what I would consider the right thing and get asking for a letter of no technical variance or getting a ferry permit or getting one of Paul's AOG crews. Um, they're just hopping in the plane and showing up at, uh, you know, one of these shops and saying, Hey, uh, oops, sorry. I didn't know these five checks were overdue. Right. Um, so in fact, I was working on a, helping somebody with a project they are working on today, and we're looking at the airplane, and it's on a maintenance tracking platform, very familiar to Lee. And it, there's so much red in there, I'm not sure it's ever been green. <laughs> so, oh. And, oh, by the way, it's blue twice today. So... <laughs> You just, maybe the FAA social distancing, they're not actually on the ramp, you know, you're okay. Well, I hope I'm not they really are. Sure. I mean, I hope they are. I'm not exactly yeah. sure. I mean, if that's what you're banking on right now, I mean, but, you know, I think Nathan, you and Paul brought up great points. It's, um, you know, and we talked about this at the very beginning when you were talking about storing and parking your aircraft, you know, what do you need to do? What do you need to be checking on? Mm -hmm. How active do you need to be? You know, for people who have a maintenance department, you know, you have people who live and breathe this stuff. And so, I mean, they, a lot of them are a little bit more cognizant, you know, is this something that needs to be in the logbook or do I just need to be recorded as an activity on my aircraft? You know, different things along those lines. But, you know, Paul, you brought up the owner operator. I think of the owner operators, you know, owner operators, somebody who has like a, you know, like a, like a King Air PC-12, maybe one of the light jets, something along those lines. They may have a chief pilot, um, something, you know, but, you know, this chief pilot may not have ever had to, well, they, they've never been through this, but, you know, they may, may have never had to park an aircraft. You know, they just kind of depend on other people to help them with this. And, you know, they might be overflying, not because they don't see the, you know, they're choosing to ignore the red squares mm. or just from ignorance. And so where, where does that line go and how, 
that is worrisome. And, you know, you hope that it's something that's just, that's not going to happen, turn into an event, you know, it's just going to be something that, uh oh, you know, but, you know, at the very, the least is the FAA finds out, you know, the very worst, something bad happens. Yeah. So, but I agree with you on the owner operator side of that. I do worry about that. Yeah. The, another thing we're seeing is, uh, you know, operators that have a small flight department um, through this time, their pension budgets, and uh, they, they're going to do more inspections in house, right? Right. And they'll quickly find themselves over their head, so to speak. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, That's we didn't really have to do this, or mm. <clears throat> we need help doing this. We don't. We don't understand this task, and so we find companies reaching out to us saying, "Hey, can you help us do this one task, or can sure. we follow this one right. tool, or, or something like that?" So you, you you get a sense of what's going on out of it, mm -hmm. out in the industry with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of a natural reaction, you know. Well, well, you know what? Let's bring it in house because one, it does need to be done. You know, these are the people mm -hmm. who see the red squares and they're like, okay, no, this is, that's unacceptable or it's orange, you know, it's within tolerance, but I got to get this done. You know, and those, you know, you have to have to give them credit because then at the same time, they've probably been told by their, you know, their leadership that no, there is no money. No, you cannot take this. No, you're not going to do that. You've got an A&P. You sh don't you know how to do this? <laughs> and they're trying <laughs> to, able to do this. They're trying to keep their people employed too, right? Exactly. That's, right. that's yep. exactly right. And they feel like, you know, too, hey, we're paying them and, and we're not flying. So, you know, this is the age old thing, Paul. I mean, you and I have been doing this more than a minute. The age old thing is, what does a maintenance guy do when the plane's flying? I mean, they don't have anything to do, right? Especially as like a D at a DOM perspective or an operator, right? They don't do anything when the plane's out on the trip. I mean, that's just the common notion, you know? And so I think, I think y'all are right that you know, folks are trying to do it. And, and, you know, I would say that, that there's nothing wrong with an assist work order if that's the plan. But I think, Paul, to your point, is is knowing where boundaries are, right, and knowing when you need to reach out to, to somebody like y'all and, and say, hey, you know, we, and, and God forbid, I know this will be shocking to everyone that all 10 people that listen to this episode, but, you know, the maintenance manual doesn't always describe it as accurately as you think it should. And just because it says, take off these three fasteners and do this one check, doesn't mean that it's just that simple. It could be a day's worth of work. So I think having somebody that's proficient, right? We talk about um, currency of pilots and getting bounces, but um, as a technician, there's a proficiency thing too. And just some task, it just doesn't make sense, right? And planning in and, and, and recognizing when that is, if you're gonna do in-house work to set stuff up with um, one of these AOG teams or MRTs like what Paul and his team have it is a really value add, I think. Cause you can learn from it. It's like a free training class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we've kind of switched gears that way, right? Before we yeah, were so sure. busy with AOG work, now we're picking up more of that, uh, hey, can you help us out in this hangar? Yeah, and I know when I was a DOM, we, um, you know, we had a, um, a good enough complement of technicians, right? I, there were 10 of us scattered across the country doing different things for our airplanes. And, and when we had a large inspection, we would, to a certain point, we knew our limits, try to bring it in house. But we, we certainly, there was a planning effort that went in, you know, like Andy's tried to get all of y'all to listen, <laughs> is that, you know, you should be looking at what your quote needs are a year out and planning your work scope, you know, six months to a year out and getting real quotes. 
um, we would do that and identify that, ooh, you know, we're not going to have this one flight control throw board, right? And, you know, we've only done that twice and witnessed it twice or whatever, and it's been 10 years. So maybe we should call somebody that does it every <laughs> week, right? And, and just so we don't damage something, right? And, 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 oh, by the way, what the heck, we might learn something along the way. And when we did that, we just always found it a huge value add. I mean, you know, yeah, sure, it costs for travel and technician time and all that. But gosh, it, it, it's a huge compliment. And we still, I know, Paul, no, no digs against MROs. We still didn't have to pay the huge MRO rate to get the inspection done, right? We paid a smaller rate, got help with the stuff we needed um, some coaching and, and expertise on and did the rest. Yeah. And, and, and it worked well. It's a good fit. But it doesn't fit for everybody that way. What kind of pressure does it put on the, uh, if you have one technician, like we've had people on our, you know, 135 operators on our platform looking for somebody. Hey, do you know anybody that's good at Citation 10 maintenance? I'm like, geez, you're going to send one guy over there? And it just seems, and Paul, you can probably answer that better. It just seems like a lot of pressure on one guy that's been to Citation 10 training trying to manage this, these people that he doesn't even know and trying to help oversee this project, you know, like the, it, it just seems like a lot. It, it can be. And depending on how you walk into that project, it can be good or it could end bad. Right. Uh, we've had customers that wanted us to come in and do a certain task in an inspection and sign the whole inspection off. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Do that. Okay. oh, that happens all the time, kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Them, no, we, we can't really do that. We'll sign the task off, but we can't return your plane to and say it's airworthy. You know, sometimes that ruffles some feathers. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So there is uh, a lot of pressure on that one guy, depending on what he's going in there to do. You know, more often than not, though, you're dealing with professionals. You're dealing yeah. with fellow AMPs that understand the situation and, and it, it normally ends well but yeah but you're you're right people try to game it so so you you kind of teed us up for something pretty cool that um we talked about before when i failed to hit the record button um <laughs> but um so t tell us what your perfect aog tech looks like right so uh, you know yeah we try to say it's the best and the brightest from our service center but really we need a you know somebody that's got a different skill set than than the average technician, right? Um, so what does that person look like? So, it, you know, a lot of techs would say, oh, I wanna be an AOG tech. I get to go out on the road. I eat a steak every night, sleep. <laughs> and, Wrong. <laughs> and, and it can, from the outside in, it can look very glamorous and appealing, right? Mm -hmm. um, usually though, for, for a new AOG tech, you know, they'll, they'll take advantage of that steak one night or so, and they'll get a nice hotel room, but that's not the game, right? You get tired of yeah. that. Yeah. Real usually, quick. You're usually eating a bag of chips and, and a <laughs> Red Bull to keep awake. So you get right. it done. It's, that's it's right. Anything but a glamorous job. It's hard. So, um, you need someone that's, uh, used to working different hours. Okay. Mm -hmm. you, you know, this guy may be up, all day he may be mowing his lawn during the day and it's seven o'clock at night he gets called to go to chicago that's three hours away and work a plane that may take him well into the wee hours of the morning to work and that's not for everybody 
that's hard, hard work. Mm -hmm. um, you need a guy that's quick on his feet that, that can think outside the box. I don't need a guy that's going to call my dispatch department at two o'clock in the morning and say, you know what? I can't find, ox I need oxygen. And, um, you know what? The bottle on my truck's empty and I'm going to go to the hotel. That's not the guy. That's not an AOG tech. Okay. Right. The, the AOG tech's going to say, damn, my bottle's empty. Um, that's embarrassing. First of all, I should have caught it, but <laughs> there, you know, I'm on an airport. There's oxygen somewhere on this airport. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna go right. find it. Okay, right. that that's just a little bit different uh, differences that make what an AOG tech is and what isn't an AOG yeah. tech. And that's by no means knocking uh, a technician that works in the sure. hangar. Just, sure, it's just a different. This is a different skill set, different role, right? It, it, it's no different than needing yeah. somebody in legal or somebody in finance, right? It's just yeah, too and, different. And they got to understand the value of that mm. plane flying. The oh, customer gosh. that called us to get his plane up and going, he needs his plane as quick as possible. It may be yeah. a charter operator that is depending on that revenue. Sure. And God knows today they need that revenue more than ever before. So mm -hmm. he may find himself where he needs a ladder and he doesn't have a ladder on his truck and he, and, He's got to go buy a ladder. And, you know, the cost of that ladder is minuscule compared to waiting an extra day mm -hmm. to, to get that airplane done. So, it's so Paul, having said that, I, I assume you guys um, really focus on, in your organization, it sounds like you just empower your, your techs to make those game time decisions in the field, right? And, and, and so they're sort of like little mini entrepreneurs, right? Um, in, in a certain way, because they've got to be the face of the organization. They've got to, they've got to be able to think uh, on their feet, like you said, and, and be really resourceful, whether that means going to Home Depot and grabbing a ladder or going and knocking on some regional airlines hangar door at two o'clock in the morning, because you know that those guys and gals that are in there working, they have no problem sharing that oxygen, right? You just got to get them to answer the door. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's definitely a different world, and it's not for everybody. So, what kind of soft skills do you guys uh, look for in your? I, I know technicians hate the term, right? Nobody in aviation likes to talk about it, but there are some that I would assume that an AOG technician, out on their own, so to speak, has to have. Well more and more soft skills are vital and each one of our technicians is like a their own service center if you mm -hmm. think about it they're they're doing their work they're buying off their own work in many cases they're doing the paperwork they're releasing the airplane they're doing that all themselves so and communicating to the customer so the soft skills are very important. You need to over communicate to the customer. We emphasize, we have a whole structure and a whole process on how we communicate to the customer. Um, at the same time, he's got a lot of people to fall back on within the organization. We have a dispatch department that's 24 seven. All those guys in the dispatch are AMPs. All of them know what they're going through. So he's got, he's got that avenue. All my technicians look out for each other. So that technician may be working on an airplane that he's just not familiar with, because let's face it, there's not a technician out there anywhere that knows every single airframe. There's right. not. And um, we've got a way internally so that he can fall back on somebody. He can look and see who's got that experience and, and reach out to him. But soft skills, 
communication, computer skills are so vital today. Mm -hmm. So vital. And I'll, one of my horror stories, if you don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We love stories. Lee likes them. I we, love stories. <laughs> we, hired, we hired a great, great technician a few years ago. And uh, he was he was fantastic with those technical skills. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he went through our in-doc process real well, and we really liked him. Only to find out he had like zero computer skills. And oh. today's world, working on airplanes today, there's, there's less of a divide between an avionics guy and a maintenance guy. They're really the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A laptop's part of your toolbox. I mean, yeah. how are you diagnostics? I mean, how do you troubleshoot, get the diagnostics, um, and to go through it without your laptop now? I mean, that's, or yep. how do you even, in some places, I mean, how do you even, you have to understand a lot of those concepts to even understand how the cockpit or the, the connectivity, what if you're doing, you know, if you're working in the cabin, how do you even understand how all that works or to activate something for something else? Yeah. I mean, it's all so interrelated. Yes. No, you're absolutely, poor guy. I, oh, yeah. It, it was a horror story for me because I really, really liked it, liked him. And uh, it, it just wasn't going to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you, you just can't be in that mode, right? You can't, your customer, you know, in these AOG situations, one of y'all mentioned time, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and so when the customers are calling up needing your help, um, they're not calling because they're having a great day. And a lot of times that, not having a great day, whether it's the crew or the owner or, or maybe a DOM somewhere else in the world. Um, unfortunately, the AOG tech kind of gets some of that emotion kind of spills over on them. So they've got to be pretty resilient. And, and I think that back to my point of time, it, if we've got somebody that can't even manage through the work order system and generate a logbook or through a maintenance tracking system, um, and it takes them two hours to do the paperwork for a 45 minute job, um oh. necessary job oh. absolutely had to have the people there but two hours to get the paperwork done to return the airplane to service i i mean again back to protecting your brand image i i can totally see i i mean you can be the best technician in the world but you've really got to have uh, yeah. this sort of jack of all trades right yeah and as an amp we wear our pride out on our shoulder, right? We right are right out front. We're <laughs> A and P. We work on airplanes, and you you better be able to check your emotions when that DOM or that owner of the airplane is ripping you up one side down the other. Amen. Cause, you know, because he's his plane's broken. Yeah. Mm. You know, not the time to lose it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nathan said something about time, and you know, thinking about right now when you're when when you're going out AOG or even quoting servicers or something and you're looking at um like we've talked about a little bit at this post-covid world how much time does it take now to incorporate these sanitation processes into whatever it is that you need to do so I mean I, I you said that and that just made me think mm. about it you know you're talking about time you're talking about maybe a 45 minute job but is that 45 minute job now a three-hour job because of the sanitation processes I mean, I, or disinfectant or something along those lines. I mean, what are you, what are you kind of looking at when you're thinking about these this new component of the service? It could very well turn into that, depending on what part of the airplane you're working on, right? Mm. And, right. and at the end of the day, it's about, is that customer comfortable 
with getting back on his airplane after you've worked on it? Or is my technician comfortable working on that airplane without disinfecting it? Yeah, right on. Yeah. I think you're going to find customers and operations that are that are going to run differently now, and they're just going to want it disinfected prior yeah. or after you leave. So yeah, it, it is something that I think um, we've got to we've got to deal with. I think that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I saw some companies were adding a COVID nineteen uh tax or fee at the end of their invoices not in aviation yet but is that something that you know you would see that transpiring into as uh you know hey by the way when we're done we charge this service fee and that allows us to disinfect your aircraft when we leave well i know what you're talking about because i hear it's uh it's making its way on invoices in restaurants now yeah i i've experienced it personally so i i can't see that just being automatically added i think that would be a huge customer irritant right mm -hmm. but i i can see look in this business let's let's not joke around margins are very very tight okay so i can't have a technician disinfect your airplane that, that takes three hours and then we do a 45 minute job so i mean in that case yeah we're gonna have to add that on as a squawk or that sort of thing but Boy, that would be a service fee, not just a blanket like surcharge yeah. for everyone. I mean, yeah. Yeah, depending absolutely. on what you're going on. I think the restaurants are doing it almost like a, almost like the MROs do with like uh, shop supplies. It's in the fine print of the terms and conditions yeah. buried not to not. exceed, but maybe more than and, right. and not a hard price. Sorry, sorry, Paul, I'll let your expense. But yeah, the restaurants, you know, it's like when you have a party of six or more and it's in like, super fine italic print that I can't read anyway on the back of the menu. I didn't know I was going to pay it. Now it's, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's that, that COVID thing. We had it, um, like I said to you guys the other day, we had it just recently. Andy, Andy, don't give away our shop supply secrets. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the shop supply secrets. And, and parts, paper parts top. provided and. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you gotta, so, you got to account for everything. Yeah, yeah. Look, so the pro tip is, and this isn't about constant, this is generally in life, right, on these maintenance events. The pro tip is whatever the estimated shop supplies is, on the day you show up, just pay the man that estimated amount because <laughs> it's going to get it there one way or another. Right, right. <laughs> now that's pretty cool. Uh, so the other thing I know I wanted to bring up to Paul was the, the training that the techs go through is it and I guess it's just my ignorance uh, is it the same thing that a tech at the MRO would go through so they go to you know King Air 350 school I mean do they go through the whole process mm. of training to be an AOG tech well that's a good question Annie because it brings up kind of twofold things um, you can go find or you look for technicians that have you know those flight safety schools um, right so you can take advantage of that. I, I truly believe that is part of the, the, the piece, but you know, on the job training, I don't think anything really beats that. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a combination of those two things that we look for. Um, but, it, you know, prior to this whole COVID thing, and maybe it's still a, a legitimate um, question, you know, we're all looking for the same technicians. Right. And there's not enough, AOG technicians to go around. There's not enough technicians in the hangars to go around. 
and all the good companies are work are looking for the same people. And I just got to the point of, is it better to look for that person that everybody's trying to get, or should I go get someone out of A and P school that's got the right attitude mm -hmm. out of school? Exactly. And groom him and train him the way we we do business. And at the end of the day, I've probably got a technician that's going to stay with me, maybe his whole career, right. and a better, well-rounded technician than maybe the other way the rest of the industry was trying to do this. And probably huh? knows how to use a computer. Probably. Um, and, and how grateful would a guy be coming right out of A&P school to get a job as an AOG technician? Where oh, all well, you know, when I, when I, my previous life working at a 147 school, you know, we, you talking, you talk about like a specific person is an AOG tech and, you know, you talk to the students about what they wanted to do and you could always find those people, like even the people who wanted to like work on the whole airplane. I say, well, then you need to go like business aviation. If you go, if, if you're happy being somebody who works on a particular component on doing a particular task in you know, in a very controlled environment, you know, the airlines are probably for you, maybe one of the manufacturers, something like that. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who want to do, they want to work on the whole airplane. They want to learn. And a lot of times it's just giving them that exposure with a great mentor where, you know, it, it is, uh, you're in an environment where you just have to get the job done and you're going to figure out how to do it. And we're going to sit here until it gets done and done right. And, yep. you know, having those people, like, I think that's great, Paul, that if you would find somebody who has that initiative, um, I saw so many that would have been perfect, perfect for you. They would have been great to go out there that were um, ready, willing, and able to go out on the road. And it's, it's finding them. I think that's a great, I think that's a great way to put it is to develop them. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand that, you, that, that guy's not going to be as productive as the rest of the guys. And you're probably not going to make a profit off of them for the first couple of years, but I truly think you're going to get a better technician at the end of the day. Yeah, no doubt. My brother, who's actually 15 years younger than me, um, just started doing the internship for Coletta up in Northern Michigan. So he's up in Oscoda working on the 747s. And so he was, you know, it was, it was pay $45,000 to go to MIAT here in Michigan, or Coletta will basically do on the job training and pay you um, to work on their 747s and 727s and then you do all the stations so he did sheet metal mm -hmm. now he's doing the engine stuff and so yeah. he's done the avionics and so by the time you're done you have this well-rounded education and you go take the test uh, and sit for it and then you give them I believe it's two years after that's over with and so they paid you instead of you paying and taking out student loans and he'll have good experience you know for that industry mm -hmm. that's great no, I, you know, I love that. I love that approach. I mean, I came from a 147 school. It's how I accidentally ended up in aviation and I'm still here. Sorry so, I mean, I don't have like, I don't know. I have no idea how I ended up here. It's a student worker job. It's only at night. Here I am. But, um, but you know, I think, still hope you know, for you. I don't know. I think I pretty much stuck. I've burned some of those other bridges that would have gotten me out. Nathan's stuck with me now. I think you told me a forever on some yeah. of my things. No, no, that's absolutely right. You are, um, you know, aviation, particularly business aviation is one of those things people say, you know, uh, um, you know, hear people grousing about it or whatever when times are tough and, and, 
and say, well, why don't you get out and do something else? And, you know, it's, I don't know how I got in, right? <laughs> I mean, I went to a recruiter, I got tricked, and here I am, you know, 30 <laughs> years later. And I'm like, Lee, I mean, I don't know what else I would do. And y'all are pretty much stuck with me at this point. I mean, I yeah. I, I, I kind of like like what I do. And, and, uh, and yeah, Lee's never going anywhere. She's voluntold for several things that she cannot retire from. So, yeah, but I lifetime like it. appointments. <laughs> But I think that it's, you know, those are, you know, and I think that comes back to it and, you know, talking about AOGs and I think, you know, it's funny, even, even me and my, my weird experiences that I have, you know, I've even been called a couple of times by people in the industry wanting to know how to, hey, I have an AOG and I'm at, you know, I, where were they? I can't remember. I think they were at Sphinx, Sphinx Airport. You know, somebody who might be able to work on you know, whatever aircraft it was that was there. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Give me a few minutes. And so here I am sending out SOSs, you know, Hey, you know, do you have experience? Um, because they were, could not get through to the, um, OEM to do the work. And so some mm. different things. So, you know, they're grasping at straws and, you know, that's one of the reasons like talking to Andy, I love what Andy's doing because, you know, even though we have friends everywhere, and that's one of the things that makes business aviation so wonderful is, you know, huge, what is it? Worldwide industry, very, very small community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a great, it's a great opportunity. You still need those resources in a time of need. And the AOG app that Andy and um, that Andy and his team have developed, I think is great to address that because that, that anxiety, like y'all were talking about, you know, people aren't, people aren't happy when they're AOG. Okay. Maybe there's a pilot or a crew happy that maybe they get to hang out for a couple of days if they're somewhere cool, but (laughs) I don't know. Um, but you know, that's, it's a time of stress. It's a time of anxiety. People are not happy. And you know, what are all those different things that you can relieve it? And now you bring in what's going on here. You know, what if, and what if you're an AOG in a hot spot? you know, Paul, Mm -hmm. you know, you were talking about Teterboro and some, previous conversations and stuff. And, you know, you talk about being AOG somewhere. I mean, what if, what if you don't have a crew who's comfortable and, you know, you have to take those things into consideration in a way that we didn't necessarily have to take into consideration before. And so, so many different things. So do you have a, like a, and, um, Andy, do you have like a hotspot thing on the app that says you're a AOG and a COVID hotspot? <laughs> Please expect <laughs> no. a delay. Yeah, I no, don't know how that works. Expect the surcharge on your bill for. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting that for consumables anyway. <laughs> now, and a couple of man hours for work order preparation. <laughs> Oops, I'm telling all the secrets. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> no, we don't have any contact tracing yet built in, but it's, you know, and to Paul's point, what, what he said before, I mean, they, there's people that obviously live and die by Constance team and, Jet East and some of these other companies, but you know, the basis behind our company and our app is just, well, what if, what if Paul's guys aren't available? Right. Exactly. Then you're calling the fast right. team, you come in and that costs you, you know, $200,000 or whatever it is for them to fire up the jet, you know, so it's just right. to get the backup. Well, and um, you know, but I've, but I've, if I've if heard the fast of, team shows up. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Well, what if you're trying yeah. another manufacturer and you can't even get them to answer the phone to come and address your AOG? Sure. Yeah. That's, sure. that's the hard part. Well, yeah. and, and Andy, to your point, I mean, there, I mean, how bad would it be, right, if you're the the director of maintenance and you're trying to coordinate this AOG response, you know, from wherever you are, um, and in your, uh, you you get it all lined up with, you know, whomever. Maybe it's with Constant, right, and they're coming to town, and 
and uh, you find out that you know the crew goes to dinner that night and they're sitting at the hotel bar and and call you up and say well why is it going to be three days before we get constant over here when we've got there's two Stevens guys sitting right here eating with us and they just finished up. They can come and do it in the morning. You know, I mean, I, I think what you guys are doing um, will certainly, cause you just don't know what's my point is. You just don't know what's around the corner. Right. And, and, and who's around there. So I, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, <laughs> I think that working, working through that and having a, you know, just having a resource like what y'all are trying to pull together is going to be, it's kind of like Uber, right? Where I can go on there, I can see what cars are close around. And if there ain't any, I close the Uber app and go to look, right? So right. what y'all are doing is trying to co-locate all that stuff Basically. in one spot. Yeah, and now, you know, with the detailing too, I mean, they can find the disinfectant stuff and then the, the ground service equipment that we're starting to get that spooled up. So yeah. we're hoping that, you know, as smart as Paul is, that someday he'll have to use the app just to find <laughs> <laughs> to find a hydraulic mule or to find the oxygen or you know so it'll be it'll be cool it'll help everybody out hopefully and well that, actually that's, that's, that's what I was about to ask Andy is so let's say let's say you have an AOG team that needs a needs a uh, like a, a disinfectant um, group as a complement so I mean you know how I mean because those are different things so like depending on who your AOG team who the AO, your contracting for AOG they may not have that disinfectant uh, um, supplies and equipment and experience um, with them. So right. can't, you know, how do you, so if you're putting something in on your AOG app, can you put in like if they could accept the maintenance side and then you could have another acceptance for the disinfectant side? Yeah. So the way it's set up now that we're just kind of getting involved in is uh, let's say Paul's guy shows up, says, okay, I know what part I'm going to need here or, or I need a detailed job or ground service equipment, they can then search off of the job that they've accepted. Okay. So, so the option is there for them. So the owner doesn't even have to deal with it. It's oh, oh, that's wow. great. That's good, great. Good. And yeah, so back to Paul's point about just needing that really resourceful, different thinking person. This is just a another way, right, that they can have that, um, um, you know, full view of what's around them, you know, yeah. from a resource. It's that's just, cool. It's just a tool. I mean, we yeah, tell everybody yeah, for, for sure for the scheduled stuff in the AOG. Um, you know, there's shops and people that think it's a magic bullet, but it's not a magic. It's not going to bring yeah. your business up from the from yeah. the rep to all of a sudden you're super successful. I just sure. have to use it as an extension. You know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that totally makes sense and and, and total value add. I, I try to make add. sense sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we ask Lindsay that? We'll bring her on as a special guest. <laughs> ask <Yeah>. her. <laughs> um, so, Paul, I, I want to shift gears just a second here um, and, and ask you a little bit differently about AOG. So, um, what is it that you, what, it, so two questions. First one is, what is it that operators um, should do in planning their trips from an AOG perspective, right? So, so what could they do to help make AOG events when they do happen? Cause they will happen um, more successful with y'all. And then the second part, second question is, um, so when they, what is the one thing you wish all those operators knew, right? When y'all pull up to an airplane, what do you wish that every one of those crews or DOMs or owners knew? That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess uh, to, to answer your first question, 
I guess what would what would make it easier for mm -hmm. customers, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, how could they plan better, right, to make the that's outcome kind of better? Twofold for me. Um, we do have customers that they take care of different trips in different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, some trips may be very vital trips, depending on you know who's on the airplane, you know what's what's the destination, so on and so forth. So we do a lot of uh, flight following for customers. Let's say they're going to Vegas, okay, and it's a very uh, specific trip. It's got, it's a high profile meeting and they need to make sure that their plane is is up to speed when they leave so many times we'll pre-position technicians mm. for customers like that I um, more often than not nothing happens but it's, yeah. it's peace of mind right that if something did happen there's somebody right there that's got the capability uh has all the tools necessary to take care of their airplane if they need parts there's a there's a path to make that happen um, they have the knowledge to do that so um that's one way they can make it easier mm -hmm. you know obviously another way is is to look in that area they're going and just plan for the worst so okay what happens if if i do break down in this town what's around sure. me um, sure and, and that's where Andy's app is is great, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other day I used the the boat analogy because I thought of Andy over over last week as my wife and I handed out on the boat, and you know, we went a good ways offshore. And um, granted, it was beyond cell range at, at, at some point, but you know, I started thinking, well, what would happen? There's nobody around me. What would happen if if the boat broke? Okay, well just so happens I have a service that has an app just like what Andy's saying and I can pull the app up and and go bingo I need help and they'll take care of it from there yeah. so I think that's a great thing that Andy's working on and uh, um, I'm I'm gonna love to help you out Andy to finish that <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like he's signing up <laughs> so we can use all the expertise and the feedback that we, uh, we can handle for sure um, I think Paul brings up a great point is that, you know, it's understanding the tools and resources that you have. And, you know, I think about, um, you know, there may be, you know, where text may have been required on a trip before. Mm -hmm. If you're practicing social distancing, if you're trying to limit exposure, doing different things there, they may not be included as, the, as, as often, you know, it might be something that they're, that they're doing differently. Um, right. You know, there might be the, flight tech might not be on every flight anymore. So how do you, how do you balance that? And what are those resources? And do you have, and taking advantage of the resources, I think people don't necessarily, it's like, well, I know this exists. Well, download it on your phone. It's not, I mean, like Andy's app for the operator is it's free. Download it. You may not, you may never need it. I don't know. Go ahead and set it up. Um, but then you might. So yeah. if you, at least if you have it, you have it available, you know, I constantly, y'all have an app too, don't you? I mean, there's, is it yeah we we operate off of one way or, or two ways you can email us or you can use our hotline right. number to get a hold of dispatch i mean the easiest way is to have a phone number i mean people i mean in situations like that a lot of times you know who do i call 
And, you know, and it's a combination of calling with the app. Cause I know if I was in the situation, I would probably be calling constant while I was inputting the information in my app and see who answers first and who can be here first. Right. That would probably be how I would do it. I have these three people's phone numbers. I've got the OEM, I've got constant and I got the app. So I'm going to, I'm going to tap everybody and we're going to see who can get here first. And then I'm going to go with that. And then, then I may have a backup well, if think, something else happens. You know, you mentioned the OEM, Lee, and I think it's very valid, right? So, it's, uh, but there, there comes a certain point in some of these airplanes lives, right? Uh, I, I'm right now dealing with some 15 year old citation products and, and mm -hmm. some 20 year old Hawker product, 20 plus year old Hawker products, um, you know, who, yeah, okay, so Textron's OEM, but they really don't have an OEM, um, they, you know, that bless their hearts. And 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 even even in some of the Gulfstreams, right? So it's it's worth pinging the, you know, the tech ops and getting a little bit of help and just making sure, yeah, right. we really are AOG. But I got to say, if uh, there comes a certain point when you've got to question the value of what it costs to have an OEM MRT come out, mm -hmm. um, that you're actually getting, right? I mean, if people have got to travel and I'm running a 14 year old um, citation product, I'm probably not gonna call a Textron truck and please Textron do not email me and yell at me for this, but I'm just probably not gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm just not. I'm, I'm going to want to, um, you know, find an, another service provider that that's capable and competent on that airframe, right? See what your options are. Well, you know, the reality is, Andy, is, is um, even if I call Textron, the guy and gal that are on that truck, um, they're probably dealing more with latitudes, longitudes, right. tens, and other airplanes. They're not dealing with my 15-year-old CJ3, like maybe some of, some of the folks at Constant are, or some of the folks at Westar mm -hmm. or Duncan or wherever, right? Yep. Just the tendency, right? I mean, you don't typically see G2 sitting in Savannah in the service center, right? I'm not going to say never because every time I go, I'm shocked and I see an old G2 sitting in the service center undergoing a big inspection. But it, it, it's one out of 100 airplanes that are there. Well, and some of the some of the OEMs now, I mean, like Textron, um, in my experience, if the tail number doesn't end in QS, then you can, <laughs> you can go they don't have time for you. They don't care. And, you know, because they have obligations, um, you know, just like gamma with wheels up. If it's a wheels up plane, they're all over it because they just, that's just the way well, it is. Well, I was just having on the phone right before I got with you guys talking with someone. And, and so gamma has to be right because uh, um, they're kind of owned by wheels up now. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. got to be on it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and I mean, that brings, I mean, that's a great point. And that's, but that's, and you know, for people who are new to that position, you know, if you're new to the DOM position, if you're new, or if you're a chief pilot who is, um, you know, you don't have a maintenance department um, and you're trying to now, you know, these, these are new advent, these are new experiences for you, new resources, new things that you have to learn and understanding the, the nuances, but also, I think it's also understanding um, the team. I mean, if you, I mean, I think you could probably call Paul and Paul would sit there and talk to you from a chief pilot of just about any aircraft and Paul could talk to you and just say, these are mm -hmm. the things you need to listen to. I mean, right. reach out to those different resources. Look, look for them. I mean, if I've, if I've learned anything in my, well, September will be 20 years since I accidentally got a job. And, <laughs> um, it was a part-time job at that too. So, 
but if I've learned anything, if you just ask, somebody will help you. And, and if they, if they can't, they will find the person who can. Exactly. And, and, you know, what can you do to make that a little bit less painful? And, you know, Paul and his team, I mean, like he was saying, every one of his AOG techs is now, I don't want to call it a salesperson, but they're a face of the company when they go out and they want to be not only viewed as a, um, as you know, here we are your hero because we're fixing your airplane, your AOG and everything's going to be good. But you know, it's also that, you know, a trusted advisor kind of deal. And you know, those guys know, they know everybody in their area. They know everybody and they know everybody, they know every aircraft. And you know, if you talk to them, treat people like humans, ask them a question and you can get all kinds of information from them and you can learn. And I mean, admit you don't know. Oh, that's the biggest thing. Admit right. you don't know. And just, I admit it. I know like, nothing. No. Yep. I know nothing. I talk to people all the time, <laughs> ask them questions. What one, one add on to that. Um, you know, a lot of times you ask what, what, what does a customer need to know? or what would be good for a customer to know uh, that would make it easier when you get to the airplane. Um, it's not always the fastest guy that could get there. That's the right guy to do. Amen to that. Okay. Just Absolutely. because you've got a guy there in the hangar uh, that you happen to be parked in front of, you may be taking two days to fix that airplane where if you get the right guy on that airplane that maybe had to travel three hours to get there at the end of the event, your plane's up and done before and you're on the way. That's absolutely right. And, and maybe with no um, maintenance induced error, right? Which is, right. If, if, you know, all the OEMs tracking um, reliability statistics, I, I will promise you in their top 10, if not in their top five, uh, unfortunately, and it's not saying it's their technicians or yours or anybody else's, but generally it's maintenance induced. We, we see a lot of that. Yeah, and, and I think that would be my answer to your question. If there was one thing I would like customers to know a little bit more is that uh, don't always don't always think the, the closest person is the right one for, for yeah. you. Okay. Or I'll trust Paul Witt and his, uh, his team <laughs> to find the right person for you and call it a day. Hey, there, there, oh, there, there you go. There's times we'll turn down a job because we don't have the right person. I would rather have that customer find the right person to do right. the job and right. him be happy than me just blatantly accept the job and it turned into an utter failure and now yeah. everybody's pissed off. Right. And, and I'll do, you know, it's funny you say that. I do that very thing in my consulting business, Paul. I, I mean, I'll have an airplane that I'm not, and a particular airframe I'm not terribly familiar with and, and this, the, the deal is time sensitive or contentious already when I get asked to participate. And, and, you know, I know my limits and I have no problem calling up um, another consultant, you know, that's in the business that um, we sh share the load with sometimes and, and putting them on it. Right. I mean, it, 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 sure. We'd like to have the work, but if not at risk of not getting the project complete or, or tarnishing our brand. Right. So I'd much rather hand it off um, to your point. Now, that being said, every morning I am looking at my call log going, hey, put <laughs> that one down. <laughs> yeah. Well, there yeah. has to be a reason. It has to be a reason. But, I mean, I think if you could trust your people to say, we just couldn't do that. I mean, that's that's great. And, I mean, Paul, in our pre previous discussion, when, you know, the one Nathan didn't record, um, 
Thanks. You were, um, Keeps coming well, you, up. You, you brought it up twice, so I had to throw one out there. It's okay. Um, one of the things that you kind of ended on was just talking about uh, just talking about your team. And, you know, we talk a lot about the people and different things. And, I mean, no matter what we do, a lot of this comes back to soft skills and leadership. And um, I, I love the way you ended this. And as we're kind of getting closer to the end of what we're talking about here, just – I'd like to end it the same way. And that was you just kind of talking about your team and your philosophies on what it means to be that kind of leader and manager. Well, I think of my team as family and um, you know, I want everybody to go home at the end of the day, just the way they came to work, right? Safety. Right. Uh, I want to do a quality job for the customer, but you know, most importantly, I look out for my team and, and my team looks out for each other and it, it's, it's an incredible team that we've built. And I just feel honored to be working with them. And, uh, and you know, we're going to do great things. This, is, this COVID thing has, um, in many ways, brought out the best in people. Sure. Um, we've stuck together as a team, and we've, we've come up with new ways to, to keep people busy and new ways to generate revenue that are coming out of our technicians' mouths that I never thought would happen. And... Uh, I, like I said, I'm just honored to work for a team like that, Phil. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so such a great feeling to have a great team. And I know Lee's been fortunate to work on some great teams. I, you know, Paul, I feel just like you. When I was in my DOM role, I had probably one of the best teams I've ever had in my career. Um, and, and it didn't come without, without time and effort and pain. So I, I know that for you to feel the way you do, you've had to work very hard to get there. And some of it, let's face it, it's just dumb luck, right? For me, it's easy. I always just hired people smarter than me, right? So it was super easy um, to, to build a good team. But I mean, Andy's the same way. Just, you know, got a small team, but all rock stars in their own regard. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just so important. And it's great that you have that. Um, yeah, it's not just – it. Trust me, it's not just me. If if we didn't have the great people around me, this would be nothing. Yeah, and for sure. A leader that doesn't see that is pretty short-sighted. Amen to that. Huh. Amen to that. So, Andy, any parting thoughts? No, it, I I thought this went better than the uh, the time <laughs> we had to record. So <clears throat> I'm excited about that. But hopefully, everybody enjoys it. And uh, uh, like Nathan always says, I mean, the feedback we love it. So yeah. we're out there and uh, if you have any topic ideas um, or like to be a guest or anything like that, just reach out to us and really appreciate Paul stopping by and talking to us. Um, yeah. I learned a Amen. lot as always. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Thanks everybody. I'm glad you hit the record button and uh, I'm going to make this one even better than last time. Awesome. So, you know, so as Andy said, go ahead, Lee, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, you said you hit the record button, but I'm looking at my screen and I truly don't see it. So no, I'm going to just, I'm just, taking y'all's word for it. I, I'm, I'm watching it right now. Okay. The, I'm just yeah, making sure. It. I got it right there. I'm watching. Okay. So as I always say, and, and go ahead and one last shot on not hitting record last time if you didn't pick that up. Um, so as we always say, and as Andy was pointing out, we do want your feedback. We do want to hear your thoughts. We've gotten some great emails so far. Um, all of us individually have gotten some great emails from different people inside and outside of the industry. So um, we really do appreciate it. You can leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash jet hyphen blast. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash jet hyphen blast, or you can just send us an email. We really appreciate y'all listening and look forward 
to our episode next week when I promise I will hit record again. The first time. The first time. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye.